James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that you would use my mouth as a vessel that you would flow through to speak your truth directly and with love and with grace this morning. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, can we get the house or the, please? Thank you. So part three in our series, James is talking about real faith in this whole book. And James is about the kind of faith that actually works and breathes and moves out in our lives, not a faith that is invisible to the world around us, but James is about a faith that is so infectious that once it gets a hold of your heart, it works its way out into every single area of your life. It engages you to feed those that are in need after a church service. And did you know that over 160 warm meals were served from our front lawn last weekend? Can we thank Jesus for that? No, that's a, that's a bigger deal than that. Come on, guys. That's a big deal. That is faith working itself in our lives. And, and so James chapter 1, it encouragement. And it says, if anyone thinks he is religious... Now, the word religious isn't a great word to a lot of us because we don't consider ourselves religious. Uh, to a lot of us in the room, you know, we think uh, Pharisees, you know, when we hear that word, the ones that Jesus kept on coming up against. But, you know, instead, you know, we consider ourselves, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus or I'm a person of faith. Uh, but James, when, when means that, he means a follower of Jesus or a person of faith when he says religious here, okay? So he's not talking about wearing the costume or going to church and standing up and sitting down and saying the right thing and praying the right prayer, um, giving the right amount of money or just acting religious. He's talking about faith in him. So if anyone thinks he is, I'm just going to say it in the language we use, if anyone thinks he is a person of faith in Jesus and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's faith is worthless. Worthless. See, that's James. Thank you again very much, James. James is like, oh, okay, so you go to Destiny Foursquare Church. Oh, you're in the connect group. Oh, you're on a volunteer team. Well, you know what? Your tongue is burning down bridges and relationships right now. Therefore, all the rest of that stuff, in his words, isn't worth anything. <laughs> Thank you, James. I'm not so sure about, somebody's thinking, I'm not so sure about my decision to come to church today. <laughs> you're like, did we just get all legalistic up in here? Well, no, not really. James is, is just talking about faith and he's not giving any of us a pass. And he's not going, oh, that's cool, you're a follower of Jesus. 
but you just cut your coworker down in front of six other people. So man, that's making Jesus look real good right now. Well, you know, we'll respond, well, you know, that wasn't about Jesus. It's just that that guy that I was talking about, he, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> and everybody knows it. I mean, everybody agrees with me. Everything that I said, I'm, it's not like I'm saying something that everybody doesn't already know. That guy is a punk. Well, if everybody already knew it, then why did anything need to be said? Right? And James is right up in our grill. And he goes on to say, this is the kind of followers of Jesus that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless. These are the kinds of people that God is using. Yes, thank you. These are my followers. And what does he say? It's the one who visits and widows in their affliction and those who keep oneself unstained from the world. So James is saying, don't give me a faith that's all show and no go. Don't give me a faith where it's all about the external and not about the internal. Here's what God wants. Here, God wants people who don't burn down other people's lives. And God wants people who sees every widow and every orphan and, and to start moving in their direction. Oh, and somebody who has a water treatment plant going on between the external world around them and their hearts. There's a filter there. God's looking for that person. That's James. So the next few weeks, get ready, because James has got the potential to change uh, our lives over the next few weeks. But hello, the best part about this is all the stuff that we want and that we need. <laughs> and all of it is going to be the kind of change that the world around us has been waiting to see in the church. And so thank you, God, for the power of your word. Amen. Because it has the power of everything about our lives. And when we talk about God changing everything in our lives, the text that we're jumping into today, Lord have mercy, help me preach this this morning. Because this is crazy talk, James. Verse two, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. How come nobody's shouting at that verse? <laughs> Nobody, no, I, you know, we're, we're two verses into the journey of the book of James and James by the power of Holy Spirit says, hey, here's where I'd like to start. Okay, A, verse one, this is what he says. You know, my life's been radically changed by my brother and I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've made him the Lord of my life. And I'm writing to those of you who are now scattered out in the world. It's the whole idea that we're not all, comfy and hold up in Jerusalem anymore, um, you know, but the persecution of Jerusalem is actually pushing the church out into the known world. And in light of that, here's where I'd like to begin. I want us to just absolutely consider it big, big, a big, big boatload of joy when we face all kinds of different trials in our lives. <laughs> and people are like, James, you crazy. I'm, I'm not so sure I'm into that. That sounds like crazy talk to me. But what I'm learning about crazy talk in a world that's upside down. <laughs> and because God is trying to set you and me right side up in an upside down world, right? 
And pretty much everything James is going to be saying to us in an upside down world sounds like crazy talk. And surely count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Sounds like crazy talk. But if, if you go down just a little bit, let's go to verse four. It gets a whole lot better. Verse four says this, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Can we get an amen to that at least? Okay. You know, who wants to be mature and complete? That's what it says. That's, the, that's how the NIV translate it, uh, translates it, mature. All of us, we, you know, we, we would like, how many of you would like to be able to say about our lives, I'm not lacking anything in my personal de- development as a follower of Jesus. I'm actually growing into the person that he had in mind. And so we all want that result. But here's, here's the thing. So what James is telling us and what he's showing us here is that result begins with a process. And the process is a little bit challenging. He says in verse three, for you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. Come back to that. But in other words, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be complete, lacking nothing. See the result you know, that's where we say, well, you know, I might be okay if I'm not like fully complete. Jesus, <laughs> I might be okay. Just like kind of sort of mature, but the process, the processes, the trials and the tests that allow me to become mature and complete. I might just be okay to be just like a junior sized Christian, but God has a different picture in mind for you. And God is looking at you, and he sees something amazing in your life. He does. Anybody been to Florence, Italy? Anybody? Hey, I got, I got one. Anybody else? Oh, okay, I've got a few. So when you go to the academy, you guys will be able to answer this. Maybe some others in the room. You go there to see what? Anybody? When you go to the academy, what do you go there to see? David, the statue of David, right? You go there to see the you go there to see the sculpture David. We have a we have a picture of here. And for reference, I, I love to put the uh, a human next to it to, give, to give us reference for the size of David. And so um, everybody goes to the academy to see this phenomenal work of art. But in the academy are also other many 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 other works of Michelangelo, and one of them is called the Awakening. And I wanted to show you a picture of this this morning. This would be one of the unfinished works of Michelangelo. And um, this particular one's called The Awakening, obviously, because uh, you can see this, the person is kind of coming out of the marble. Most of us, you, you've, we've probably read or learned somewhere at some point in our journey that Michelangelo's approach and concept to carving out and a sculpture was unique. Um, if you haven't, uh, Michelangelo believed that the sculptor was a tool of God. And not creating, but simply revealing the figure that was already contained in the marble. Michelangelo's task was only to check at the excess to reveal what was inside. Now that's brilliant. That's different than I've got a piece of marble and I'm gonna you know, try to carve something. Michelangelo is looking at the marble and he says, I see David in there and I'm gonna let him out. 
And so when God, who is my author, and he's my maker, he sees me today in my marble, he's trying to let me out. And what he wants to do to let the, the out of the marble is a mature and complete version of me. And so how is he going to do that? Is he going to clap his hands and, and because he's a miracle worker and voila, you know, I'm going to be here. No, he's, he's Michelangelo with a mallet in one hand and a chisel in the other, right? I'm even familiar with this, like that sound. I see and I'm letting you out because you are beautiful and stunning and you're powerful, and I've created you with a purpose. You're gifted and amazing. I've everything about you, I've crafted, I've created, and you have a destiny beyond your wildest dreams, and I'm gonna let you out of the marble that is currently defining you. And all, <laughs> we all see the David, you know, and, and our response is, you know, that's what I wanna be. I wanna be that, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, be chiseled that way. <laughs> but a lot of us are walking around in this moment and we feel like a little bit more like the awakening. You know, you, you I have an arm, but it's, it's, it's not an arm with a hand. And you can see that I have legs, but it doesn't look like I could walk or run. And you can see that uh, you, you can't really see my head yet, but uh, you know, it hasn't fully emerged. But, and yes, I believe in Jesus, but somehow I got stagnated in the process of maturity and completion. And what James is saying is, when, I want you to hear this. What James is saying this morning is that when God is looking at you today, he's looking at the mature and complete version of you. And he's trying to let you out of the marble encasement that you're in the day. But here's how he's going to let you out. He's going to let you out with a hammer and a chisel. The two things that we like to keep at the top of our prayer list day by day. God, please take away the hammer and please take away the chisel. Please get rid of the hammer and please get rid of the chisel. Oh, and bless our neighbor and please get rid of the hammer and please get rid of the chisel. And, you know, please let this plane take off on time because if the plane doesn't take off on time, that's a hammer in my life. And if I'm late getting to where I'm going, that's a chisel. And I need you to get rid of the hammer and the chisel. And James says, hey, I want you to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, if you want to do a, a little Bible study uh, with me this morning, dig down a little bit. There's some beautiful things in this text. Number one, he's flat out telling us today, when the trials come, I want you to be joyful. That means you're either in a trial or it's on its way. And there really is no good theology that you can cook up that can stop that process. And if you do cook up one, you're going to have to cut James 1, 2, 3, and 4 out of your Bible. Because why would we need to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds if there's a way in life with God to not have any trials? The chisel and the hammer are the tools of a loving God to get us out of halfway and into the full version of ourselves. And James says, when you meet, 
or face trials. And when you encounter them, and this is an inter- interesting phrase that only appears a couple times in the Bible, and they're, they're negative connotations, like when you fall in the midst of a trial, or, or when you fall into the storm, or when you fall into the darkness, when you fall into the challenge, it's not like, okay, here I go, sailing or swimming out into the challenge, and then like you're there now, and boom, and then whatever happens, I want you to be joyful. He it's a, it's a falling into. And then he talks about trials of various kinds. The, and the word in the Greek there is multicolored. So it's like when you go through all the various hues of aggravation and all the various shades of difficulty, an absolute rainbow of disappointment. That's when I want you to count it all joy. So James is saying, it's, it's, it's not that your boyfriend broke up with you and man, you know, the world is coming to an end and that's terrible, so I want, to count, I want you to count it all joy. James is like, no, it's, 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 it's this kind of day. Okay, so you, you backed over a nail and your tire was flat and then as you're on the way to the biggest work presentation that you've had maybe in the last few years of your life and therefore you had to call and get a ride but the guy picking you up was confused and he went to the wrong apartment building and by the time they found you you're already late to the meeting but when you finally get to the meeting you walk in and you knock the coffee over onto your boss's lap you know that's a good day to start rejoicing is what James is telling us. And when you leave the meeting and say, man, this day could not get any worse. And then, you know, at the end of the meeting, you walk out and you get a text from your boyfriend telling you, we need to talk. And James says, oh man, what a day. You've got trials coming in all the directions and in all of the colors. And he says, count it all joy. And we're like, who are you again, James, to be telling me this? I don't know if I need the Greek in this text or not because the English was giving me enough trouble. And I'm just, you know, being facetious, obviously, unless you did knock coffee into your boss's lap, then that probably was a pretty horrible thing. But I'm talking about cancer. I'm talking about family strife. I'm talking about hardship and disappointment and pain. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, I am not the one to be negative Nancy. <laughs> But in the fall of 2020, um, Foursquare connected me with a licensed counselor at the Spiritual Retreat Center. Some of you guys know this over in West Virginia. And as a way of introduction, they have you fill out a whole slew of assessment papers to see where you're at. And some of you have probably done this yourselves. You've taken the Holmes and Raw uh, stress scale. So when I took it in the fall of 2020, this is just a short list of what kind of popped up on my radar. But just so you know, I, want, I, I just kind of, I, I try to be real. And I want you to know that, you know, for the preacher this morning, we've been up and close with people in our lives fighting addiction. Death several times over, five times in two months at one point. I, uh, I saw a friend go through marital separation. I've, I've had my own relationship struggles. I, I had a friend wake up from what was supposed to be a lethal accident, work depression. We've had family members diagnosed with some pretty hefty diagnoses ourselves and our family and our kids, two of them have been almost been incapacitated with gut pain. 
We're still believing for a miracle for one of them. We've been personally attacked, publicly attacked. We've had real storms, like, like the kind where lightning strikes and it blew up our entertainment stand at home. First world problems, I know. I suffered through a very real doubt with depression myself. And we've had Parkinson's disease in our purview. We've had financial strain in the nonprofit world. And that's just kind of the stuff that was at the top of the list. Assigned to me, he looked at me and he said, you're red flagging it, buddy. And my, there's more in this room that are the same if you were to take that test that you might be there too. And James is saying to us this morning, if you were to face a multicolored front and have all kinds of trials, you should take great joy in that. And I, my question is why? (laughs) Isn't that anybody else's question? Why? Why should I take great joy in a smorgasbord of pain and difficulty? And James says, because, it's because you know, I mean, this this is what he says. Look at this. Look at verse three. It says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. So many people that we look up to, I just want to point this out just really quick. The heroes in our lives, isn't it true that almost every one of their stories is a story of perseverance? I, I think about Richard Williams, you know, who has been highlighted, uh, you know, through the movie recently, um, who lived in Compton with his wife, Brandy, and his three stepdaughters, and his two daughters, Venus and Serena. Um, he aspires to turn uh, Venus and Serena into professional tennis players. Some of us know this story, and has, he's prepared a plan for their success before they were born. <laughs> he had a plan, and he had a vision. And Richard and Brandy, his wife, they coach Venus and Serena daily, and they're, they're working together. Um, he's working as a security guard, and she's working as a nurse, uh, respectively, and, and they're, they're working in these conditions. The, 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 Richard works tirelessly, to find a coach for the girls, creating brochures and videotapes to advertise their sales, but goes through years and years of, I mean, really painful, hard kind of struggles and, and I would call it perseverance before finding any kind of success. And long story short, fast forward to the end of the story, at the age of 15, Venus signs a contract with Reebok for 12 million. Now, if you, if, you, if, you, if you go forward to the, how much money it's worth at present, 22 million. She goes on to Wimbledon five times and becomes the first African-American woman to be ranked number one in the world. Serena, who joined Venus as a professional uh, two years later, would become a 23-time Grand Slam champion and considered by many to be the greatest female player in tennis. We know in many, many ways in life that perseverance has an extraordinary payoff and it makes it worth it in the process. And James is saying, you know that, right? You know that a testing of your walk with God or of your faith in God produces something. It produces something in your life and that something that develops is worth the process. In other words, I've taken notes. I want you to write these down. The process has a promise. And the painter has a purpose. And the promise and the payoff 
is perseverance. And we'll talk about perseverance in just a second. The process has a promise. The painter has a purpose. And the promise and the payoff is perseverance. Now, that word steadfastness here. I want to I look at it in the Greek and what it, what it means in the original language. It means the ability to stay up under something. And so what's being developed in you and in me is a strengthening component that allows us to stay up under whatever comes our way. And the picture is we get stronger and we get stronger and we get stronger. And some of you know someone that has maybe trained or is in the training process uh, to, to run a 10K or maybe a marathon or triathlon. And maybe there was a day in, you know, in their life where they thought, I don't know if I can run a mile. I don't know, anybody else been there? I mean, if we're just talking personally, I know I've been there. <laughs> you know, where you think, I'm going to start running. And then you get out there and like, whoa, a mile is a lot further when you're on your feet than it is in the car. <laughs> right? Anybody? Okay. And so you're like, I'm a wimp. I can't run one mile. And then you finally after working at it, you finally get to the place where you ran the mile and really, well, okay, I walked a little bit, but I mostly ran a mile. And then you just kept at it and you kept at it and you kept at it and you kept at it. And now you're running about, you know, four and a half miles and you're laughing at yourself after the one mile mark going, I remember like about three months ago, I could barely run one mile. But you stayed at it. And the testing and the process and the chiseling. Because you didn't love it all, but you stayed at it and you embraced the pain and you embraced the process and maybe you embraced the promise. And now you're into the third mile and the fourth mile and you're starting to go, there was a day that I couldn't even really think about going out and running a mile without being completely exhausted and out of breath. But you persevered. And when you persevere, you develop the ability to stay up under pressure. And now you can take the pressure for miles. Some of you, maybe you can take the pressure for six miles. Some of you can take it for eight miles. Some of you can take the pressure of 15 miles. Some of you can take marathon pressure. But you didn't walk out on day one with that kind of perseverance that you need to take on a marathon. You had to develop that step by step by step by step, embracing the promise and the pain. And now you're living with this ability. It's kind of like the guys in CrossFit lifting enormous weights with biceps that are bigger than my head. If I did that, you know, the, the, the first thing that would happen would be I couldn't get off the ground, number one. <laughs> And that would be humiliating. But, but even if I did, if that thing got up somehow on top of my arms, I would snap my back and it, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to support the weight and I would die. That is the process that, that what would happen if that thing was on top of me. But these guys didn't start with all that weight. They started by building up the process of being able to stay up under the pressure. So now when they put that weight over their heads, they're able to be complete 
and mature. And they don't lack anything necessary in that moment to be under that weight. And this is the process that God is doing in us. We always talk about the external benefits of suffering. You know, it's, it's for the glory of God so that people can see Jesus in me and people can see how God is at work in my life when I'm going through a hard time. And absolutely, sure. But it's not about the external only. It's also about the internal. It's how God's gonna make you the person that he wants you to be and it is worth it. For those guys that go through the process and that training to be marathon runners and to be weightlifters, they're willing to pay some hefty prices of time and commitment and blood and sweat and tears while myself, admittedly, and maybe the average follower of Jesus will say to God, don't do anything painful to me. Number one in our prayer life, no pain, please take away the plane, please stop the plane, please, please take away the chisel, no hammer please, no chiseling, no more pain, no more difficulty. When the marathon runners and the weightlifters and the world champion tennis players are saying, oh, absolutely, I'm going to say it's worth it. It just makes me want to say, okay, come on, James, keep on talking to me because uh, I need a little bit more. That the pain is worth it and that the process is worth it and that the promise is worth it that I might actually get to be where I'm right side up and where I'm talking crazy talk like, God, it's okay if you use the chisel and the hammer today because I want out of the marble. And I wanna be the full version of me and the version that looks the most like you in this world. And I wanna be mature and made perfect and made complete. The word there kind of connotes my full potential. Complete meaning having learned everything and added everything possible to my full potential. My, I want to see what you see, Father God, and I want to be able to count it no matter what I'm going through in my life. So I want to just give us a few practical tips just for, that we can look at from the scripture here. So then how can we adjust then to this truth that we're seeing? Because no, at the end of James, I just want to point this out. Verse 22, it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. <laughs> All right. So deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of freedom, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing. So in other words, I cannot get by with walking out today and going, man, we heard a good word on rejoicing in trials. Don't just hear this message today. He's saying actually, like for real, count it all joy when an array of hardship comes your way. Actually, let's start doing it. So a few practical things. How do we do this? How do we do this? Number one, get ready. <laughs> Prepare your your spirit, prepare. So, so you, you get ready so that when hardship comes, you won't fall prey to the most common trap in Christianity, which is saying, why is this happening to me? 
Just get ready today so that when the various trials come, you can go, I knew this was coming. I, I knew this was gonna be part of the process. I knew this was gonna be in the story. I didn't know what, I didn't know when, and I didn't default to, well, this is gonna be bad because we live in a broken world. I just knew that God told me hard times were coming. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So, you know, I believe Jesus when he said that. So here comes some of the tribulation. I already knew that this was coming, so I can jump over the why is this happening question. Just go to God, what do you want to do? What are you doing? What are you doing? Because I'm here for you. So get ready, church. Number two, practically again, very practical. We don't want to hear this, but thank God for the hardship that you're in right now. That's being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. You're like, I'm not gonna do that because some of us are thinking that sounds like a lack of faith. And I believe that God's a miracle worker and God's gonna change the situation. Now, look, James never anywhere in this letter says, hey, you know, just let it be what it is and don't ask God to change the situation in hardship. He never says that anywhere. We can pray and ask God to be a healer. We can pray and ask God to intervene, but that's not the same thing as saying, God, I'm in a hardship right now. And instead of despising it, I'm actually going to do what you asked me to do. And I'm going to count it all joy because I know something. And what I know is you are making me mature and complete through this process, and this is the way that you make me mature and complete. And what I know is you're making me, there's a process. And so I'm going to thank you in this hardship because, man, I just cussed over this thing, this little thing that just happened. And I'm thinking if I cuss over that, I'm not growing up fast enough to be like Jesus. <laughs> I just yelled at my spouse. And so I'm not growing up as fast as I need to be to be like Jesus. I just fell into a fit on the floor like a three-year-old at the coffee shop because they were out of my particular flavoring of coffee. So I'm not growing up fast enough. And, and someone at work criticized me and you would have thought that World War IV had started. I'm not growing up as fast as I need to be. And so when we thank God for the hardship, we take control of the story. Instead of being a victim floating down this current in a process in the, in, the, in the pain, we are now actually writing the narrative of the story in the process and in the pain. The third practical thing, two more really fast. We need to reshape our view of hardship. church. Talk to someone who is homeless on the streets and have a conversation with them about getting a job when you don't have an address to fill out on the application form. 
talked to any number of people on our outreach team this week who know in a very real sense that they've been walking out the love of Jesus this week that you just cannot throw money and resources and fix a problem. James gets real with us about hardship and it makes me wanna say, you know, okay, hi, I'm Sean. I'm struggling, I'm, I, I feel like I'm a wimp. I, I'm a nearsighted, short-sighted, inland, midwestern, living, western thinking, misunderstanding, still growing follower of you, Jesus. <laughs> because here's the thing, it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that this letter was written in the shadow of a cross. And in the wake of his resurrection, when Jesus resurrected, when the church exploded out of the death of Stephen, who was stoned, and they were scattered into the known world to tell people that Jesus was alive because this was the most important news that could be shared on the planet Earth to a human being. And on the way, it ain't gonna be easy. But don't you worry, God's gonna use the process. Maybe God will even use something like a pandemic season something that the enemy had planned for evil, God can turn it for good and make you mature and complete so that you won't lack anything. You will be able to do and be the full version of who God created you to be. And I'm just preaching to me. And I'm preaching to you that we need to redefine our idea of what trials and suffering and hardship and difficulty are because getting your latte order wrong at Starbucks, Starbucks or anywhere else does not qualify. So God help us because James tells us we're gonna be going into challenging days. We're gonna go into difficult times somewhere around the corner and God is priming us, don't you worry about those trials. In fact, you should expect them, but more than that, you should be happy about them because they're gonna bust you out of that marvel and make you everything that you were created to be. And then lastly, I'm gonna close with this. Practically, for me, I've been trying to get my head around this phrase. Let the pain and let the trial and let the hardship cause me to lean on Jesus. Not blame Jesus. Let the hardship cause me to lean on Jesus, not blame him. Instead of going, God, why are you doing this? Respond, God, I need you now more than ever, right now. And I'm just gonna lean in like I never have. And then you might go, oh, maybe that's why you put me through what I'm going through. I don't know, because this is right where you want me to be. This is who are you, you're making me to be something. You know, there's a lot of weird theology in the church world that just isn't in the Bible, like God will never put you in a situation that you can't handle. Wrong. God will never put you in a situation that he can't handle. <laughs> he'll never put you under a trial that he can't handle or under persecution that he can't handle. And he'll never put you in a crucible or a fire or a furnace that he won't walk through with you. 
And that's the whole point of us maturing and becoming complete. It's coming to that full wisdom and revelation and understanding that Jesus is enough in me to do anything and everything that I'm ever gonna be called on to do for his kingdom and in this world. Therefore, I'm just gonna press through where I'm at right now and I'm gonna let the hardship cause me to lean into you, Jesus, because you're what I need and I need, I, I need your strength right now. When I'm weak, you're my strength. I'm not gonna let the enemy use this hardship to make me blame you. James is talking about consider it all joy, but the scriptures, remember this? The scripture says, says this about Jesus. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and he, now he sits at the right hand of God. Count it all joy, church. Not if you get in any multicolored web of trials and difficulty, but when they come, start thanking God. And I don't know. I don't know how this works. Maybe that'll speed up the work. I don't, because maybe he chisels a little faster when we cheer versus like when we're squirming like crazy. Because this is the picture that I get. We do this as parents. You're like, son, I need you to be still right now. I'm just trying to get this splinter out of your foot, right? And yeah, I'm poking you with this needle, but it's just gonna last for another second or two and then daddy's gonna pull that right out. But as long as you're squirming and kicking me in the face with both feet, we're gonna be here for a minute. And I wonder sometimes if I might be better off just like this hammer and chisel business. I don't like it at all. But I do wanna be the full version that you have in mind for me. So give me the grace today to not squirm and to let you do your work. Because I know that in me, the negativity needs to go and the faith needs to rise up. The critical spirit needs to be chiseled out and a more faithful spirit needs to be in play. That short-sightedness that I have, I need to lose that and I need a bigger view of what you're doing in the world and through me. I wanna close with a video this morning. So we're gonna hit the house lights. And I want you to really listen to this and pay attention because God is crafting you into something. And I don't want you to miss this message this morning. Check this out. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear heavenly father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. 
Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. 
okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. chisel away just just be prepared for what you're going to find in there because I know who's inside there because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see because deep inside there this 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 little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult And I go out and I I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just went, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, 
Did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. Let's just close by praying this morning. Maybe you feel led to put out your hands just in a way of kind of leaning into Jesus this morning at the close this morning. Jesus, it's so contrary to how we think to accept the hammer and the chisel in our lives. And I just want to say it out loud this morning, Jesus, that I want to step into the full version that you have of me. Lord, so whatever comes my way, whether it be the hammer or the chisel or fair weather that I'm going to lean into you. I might not ever have the complete image that you have of me, the masterpiece that you see that you created, but Lord, I, I'm going to lean into you for that. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. No matter what, I trust you. I hold on to you. God, I pray 
that each and every one of us that are asking and have been asking and playing and believing for miracle breakthrough, I know that you are a God that hears our prayers. And so God, we, we step in and we, we continue to ask and to seek and to knock and to do what you asked us to do that way. But God, we also respond while we are in the middle of a trial. And we just say, count it all joy because we know that when we do, that you produce perseverance in us to stand up under anything. God, you bring us to a matured, complete process. And God, so I can stand in the middle of a trial. I could maybe even hardly find my footing in the middle of a trial sometimes, but I, God, I know I can lean on you. And so I choose to do that this morning. In your mighty name, amen. And just before we leave, and I, I hand it over to, to Pastor Ethan this, this morning, I, I want to give everybody an opportunity um, to say yes to Jesus. And, you know, as many of us know the story, he's the first one that took the hammer and the nail. And he did it for you. He did it for you. So, you know, if, if you're here this morning, you're watching online, and you know maybe Holy Spirit's even been moving and, you know, speaking to you that, you know, I need, I need a relationship with a God who's given everything for me. I know that I'm in a place of brokenness. I know that I'm in a place where I need somebody that's stronger than me to lean into. I just want to encourage you that Though storms may come, you can have somebody in your life that is faithful and he's strong and he's, he's constant. He's, he's there yesterday, today, and forever. So if that's you with nobody looking around and all the saints praying this morning, I, I just, we just want to pray. And we're all going to pray this out loud together. Nothing special about this prayer, but just a moment where we can begin to 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 say that yes with my life, that I want to follow you, Jesus. So anyhow, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand this morning? I want to agree with you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray this prayer. Father God, thank you for the cost of your life surrendered for me. Thank you for the cross and all that you've done. The finished work for me. I want to give you my life. I want to surrender to you all my life. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.